Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. Concerning reports coming out of Poland. Russian missiles reportedly struck the NATO member state and killed two people. The Pentagon is reacting. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy elected as the GOP nominee for House Speaker. But he still faces significant challenge from within his own party. Former President Trump is expected to announce his White House bid later tonight. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis today for the first time responding to Trump's comments about him. A former Trump official gives his take on the situation. Democratic candidate Katie Hobbs declared victory today in a tight Arizona governor's race. Will her opponent Carrie Lake concede or will she hold out for a recount? And crypto exchange FTX's collapse hits Democrats' second biggest individual donor. We explore who, what, and why. We open with some major updates on the war in Ukraine. Sources say Russian missiles struck Poland, a NATO member state, and killed two people. A senior U.S. intelligence official said two Russian missiles crossed into Poland on Tuesday. Media reports say they struck a village about 15 miles from the border with Ukraine and killed two people. Polish officials say they are aware of the reports and the government has ordered an emergency meeting. We will comment on it and provide information about it after the meeting that's going to take place now, after the appropriate information is presented by the services that will inform us about these events. The U.S. intelligence official spoke on the condition of anonymity. A second person also confirmed the missile strike to the Associated Press. The Pentagon responded to the reports. We are aware of the press reports alleging that two Russian missiles have struck a location inside Poland near the Ukraine border. I can tell you that we don't have any information at this time to corroborate those reports uh, and are looking into this further. And so when we do have an update to provide, we'll be sure to do so. The State Department called the reports incredibly concerning. They are talking to a range of partners to determine a response. And we're working with our, our partners in the Polish government and uh, our NATO partners to get more information and to assess what has happened. Uh, we will make that determination and we will determine uh, appropriate next steps but as well. Just to follow up. An anonymous NATO official said the alliance was looking into reports of a strike in Poland. Poland is a member of NATO along with the U.S. An attack on Poland is considered an attack on the alliance as a whole. Russia denied being behind the strikes and said that photos of purported damage had nothing to do with Russian weapons. President Biden spoke with the Polish president earlier this evening and expressed condolences for the loss of life. He offered U.S. support for Poland's investigation and reaffirmed the United States, quote, ironclad commitment to NATO. Meanwhile, a Polish journalist with Radio ZET said, according to his sources in the Polish military, what hit Poland was most likely the shrapnel from a missile shot down by the Ukrainian military. And the GOP is just one seat away from a majority in the House. Republican Congress members elected current minority leader Kevin McCarthy as their nominee for House Speaker today. But will McCarthy be able to succeed Nancy Pelosi in the new Congress? Republican House members held a closed-door meeting Tuesday afternoon to elect their nominee for House Speaker. Current GOP House Leader Kevin McCarthy received 188 votes. His challenger was Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs, a prominent member of the House Freedom Caucus. Biggs had just announced his challenge against McCarthy Monday night on Newsmax, and he got 31 votes. There are lots of people in this conference 
who have listened to their constituency and their constituencies are saying, look, we need different leadership, both in the House and the Senate. We need to change the direction. We need people who are going to uh, bring this our body together and united. The election used secret ballots, but Florida Congressman Matt Gates has publicly come out against McCarthy. He criticized McCarthy on The Charlie Kirk Show on Monday. I'm making my announcement, which is that I'm not voting for Kevin McCarthy. I'm not voting for him tomorrow. I'm not voting for him on the floor. And I am certain that there is a critical mass of people who hold my precise view. Gates also predicted that McCarthy won't have the 218 votes needed to become speaker when the full House votes on the nomination in January. But other vocal members within the Republican Party still support McCarthy for House Speaker. One of them is Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. If we don't unify behind Kevin McCarthy, we're opening up the door for the Democrats to be able to recruit some of our Republicans, and they may only need one or two since we don't know what we will have in the majority, how many seats we'll have, and I will not allow that to happen. Also worth noting is that McCarthy has the backing of former President Trump and former Republican House Speaker Newt Gingrich. In an interview with Fox News last week, Trump reaffirmed his support for McCarthy. And in an opinion piece in the Epic Times, Gingrich praised McCarthy for working long and hard to help elect a House Republican majority. Meanwhile, House Democrats will hold their leadership elections on November 30th. Current House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has kept quiet about her future plans following the midterms. If she were to retire from her position, House Democratic Caucus Chairman Hakeem Jeffries is expected to be a front-runner. The New York Congressman dodged a question on Tuesday about the future of House Democratic leadership. I think it's time to make sure that we finish the business of the American people over the next few weeks uh, before the end of the 117th Congress. As of Tuesday evening, Decision Desk HQ has yet to call 15 House seats, most of which are in California. Republicans are one seat away from reaching a majority. Reporting by Allison Lee, NTD News. Senator Rick Scott announced today that he's running to unseat Minority Leader Mitch McConnell as the Senate's top Republican. That's according to a letter issued to his GOP colleagues. Scott is currently the chairman of the National Republican Senatorial Committee. He and McConnell will have been engaged in a public dispute over the overall strategy and vision for the party. Former President Trump has often criticized McConnell and called for his removal. Last week, Trump mentioned Scott as a likely candidate to replace McConnell. And as Trump is expected to announce his bid for the presidency in 2024 tonight, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is responding to recent verbal attacks from Trump. Our reporter spoke with the former deputy assistant to the president about the current Trump-DeSantis situation. Former President Donald Trump is expected to announce his White House bid on Tuesday at 9 p.m. He's been giving strong indications that he'll run again, but hasn't yet made an official announcement. Last week, the former president called Florida Governor Ron DeSantis Ron DeSanctimonious and wrote a social media post throwing jabs at the governor. On Tuesday, DeSantis responded. I would just uh, tell people to go check out the scoreboard from last Tuesday night. It was the, the, the greatest uh, Republican victory in the history of the state of Florida. In the past week, some Republican politicians and voters seem to have turned against Trump to support DeSantis. New polling data by Club for Growth Action shows that Republicans in Iowa and New Hampshire, for example, now prefer DeSantis over Trump, a reversal from three months ago. Dr. Sebastian Gorka, former deputy assistant to the president in the Trump administration, says there's a big push behind this anti-Trump sentiment. 
the establishment that hated President Trump for the last six years, they have come out against him. So the old school rhino Republicans, the uh, Republicans in name only, are using the midterms to get Trump out of the way. Gorka says DeSantis could, in the future, be used by what he calls old school Republicans. He has to be very, very careful not to be exploited, not to be used as a weapon by the old Republican establishment against President Trump. Gorka also says he finds it ironic that some say they're choosing DeSantis over Trump. He has governed Florida exactly in the Trump mold, very much in the America first mold. So the idea that he's very different from Donald Trump is the opposite of the truth. He is a mini version of Donald Trump. Gorka added he wants to remind people that 2024 is still two years away and a lot can happen between now and then. Reporting by Arian Pastar, NTD News. U.S. media has declared Democratic candidate Katie Hobbs the winner of a closely watched Arizona governor's race. But her opponent, Carrie Lake, hasn't conceded. Is this race headed for a recount? NTD's Arlene Richards has the update. Last night, our race was officially called. That's Democratic gubernatorial candidate Katie Hobbs delivering her victory speech on Tuesday morning. In her speech, Hobbs said Arizonans chose solving problems over conspiracy theories and called on supporters to defend democracy. Among other issues, her opponent Carrie Lake has touted the need for election integrity. In an interview with CNN last month, Lake said this. The real issue, Dana, is that the people don't trust our elections. They haven't since 2000. I'm and Lake isn't conceding. If you lose, will you accept that? I'm going to win the election and I will accept that result. The latest margin shows Hobbs leading by 0.8 percentage points at 50.4 percent of the vote to Lake's 49.6 percent. But could this race go for a recount? Under Arizona law, a recount triggers when the margin is less than or equal to 0.5 percent. 12 News reports that state officials confirmed 43,000 votes are still uncounted, including more than 17,000 early ballots. With 2% of the vote still left to tally, Hobbs' lead could fall below the half-point margin. If a recount is triggered, will Hobbs certify the results? Hobbs' current term as Secretary of State ends on January 2, 2023. In this role, Hobbs serves as the Chief Election Officer of Arizona. As the top election official, she certifies voting devices, election results, candidates, and ballot measures. Throughout the race, Lake has repeatedly called on Hobbs to recuse herself from overseeing this election, citing conflict of interest concerns. Hobbs explained to CNN why she continued to refuse. Uh, elected secretaries of state in Arizona have overseen uh, elections where they're on the ballot since statehood. Uh, this has never been an issue until now, and I'm not going to recuse myself from the job that the voters elected me to do. Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York. Many are wondering if they'll ever get their money back after cryptocurrency exchange FTX filed for bankruptcy on Friday. Now FTX has updated its filing, adding that it could owe money to over a million people. NTD's Jason Perry has that story. When Sam Bankman-Fried started the FTX cryptocurrency platform in 2019, he probably didn't think he would have to file for bankruptcy just a few years later. As a young billionaire, he expressed himself as humanitarian and he donated heavily to democratic causes. 
This past midterm, Bankman-Fried donated about $40 million to Democrats, becoming their second largest investor, only behind George Soros. But when a leaked balance sheet became public, FTX investors saw what appeared to be a behind-the-scenes Ponzi scheme. FTX clients then began mass withdrawals of their money, and FTX was unable to pay up. Bankman-Fried then filed for bankruptcy, owing billions to its clients. On Monday, FTX updated its bankruptcy filing, adding that it could have lost money for millions of people. Now Bankman-Fried and FTX are under investigation by the Justice Department and the Securities and Exchange Commission. Charlton Haupt, CEO of Bad Astro Society, said that Bankman-Fried's house of cards has fallen down on him. At the very least right now, he's looking at mismanagement of funds at the very and that's at the very best his best case scenario where he can just plead hey i just didn't know what was going on um, i mean i did but i mismanaged these funds and i did my best guys and i'm sorry in which case he gets to go uh you know get off scotch-free uh unless we can find or not we but unless somebody were to find uh, fraudulent, uh, you know, some fraud there. And then if, if that's the case, now we're talking about jail time. Many outlets have reported that Ukraine invested in FTX, but NTD has been unable to verify this. An archived webpage of the Ministry of Digital Transformation for Ukraine shows FTX was involved in receiving crypto donations to Ukraine. The Deputy Minister of Digital Transformation of Ukraine tweeted, Ukraine's government never invested any funds into FTX, and the whole narrative that Ukraine allegedly invested in FTX, who donated money to Democrats, is nonsense. Also seen in an archived webpage, FTX was a partner of the World Economic Forum, which has since ended its partnership with the bankrupt cryptocurrency platform. Also connected to the FTX is the White House. As seen on its visitor logs, Sam Bankman-Fried and his brother, Gabriel, who is the founder and director of Guarding Against Pandemics, both visited the White House on multiple occasions this year. FTX is based in the Bahamas, and now the Securities Commission of the Bahamas has also launched an investigation. Jason Perry, NTD News. And speaking with me earlier today about FTX's crash and its CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried, or SBF, is economist and author Jeffrey Tucker, who's also the founder and president of the Brownstone Institute. Jeffrey Tucker, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. FTX's collapse. Who do you think's at fault here? Some say it's just an example of an experiment in capitalism gone wrong. The former CEO, SBF himself, pointed to his own poor judgment. What do you think? <laughs> Well, the crypto market's been under pressure for a good part of the year, and that, you know, it's the, the, that's what the, probably a result of the Fed tightening of money. As I wrote in the, in the Epoch Times this morning, it's a, uh, the end of easy money has come uh, because of the Fed Federal Reserve policies, and that's that's going to change the investment uh, environment and the environment of a, of a lot of tech companies that have flown very high over the last three years or even the last 14. So there is that. Uh, but a robust business model should be able to withstand a, a, a fall in the price of its main uh, product. Uh, but in the case of FTX, that couldn't happen because, quite frankly, he was engaged in fraud. It became a Ponzi scheme. So he needed you know, ever higher prices and ever more infusion of funds to continue the scheme. He was using depositor funds 
turning them over to a subsidiary, which is acquiring new companies as a, as a scheme to kind of keep the uh, whole industry elevated and to continue to cover his, his own uh, growing losses. FTX spent big in donating to the DNC, and that's reportedly after it started getting money from Ukraine, though Ukraine yesterday denied this. Ukraine is, of course, getting billions in aid from the Biden administration. What do you make of these allegations? I don't know in what sense the Ukrainian government actually denied uh, investing in uh, FTX because there's no question that it, it did that. I mean, we have all the receipts. There's no question about that. Um, it looks for all the world like a money laundering scheme uh, that was political in nature. And as I wrote for Epoch yesterday, um, it looked like, it, you know, I mean, maybe all this is unintentional. Maybe it's purely a coincidence that the Biden administration was passionate for giving money to Ukraine, and the Ukraine happened to choose FTX as its main investment uh, source of, of funds, and that that FTX just happened to give money back to the Democratic Party and become the second largest donor uh, compared to Soros, and just happened to support lots of, uh, uh, I would say, sort of left-leaning media outlets, you know, Vox and so on, that were shilling for Democratic candidates, and just happened to support nonprofit organizations that were ideologically of the same uh, sort of uh, woke brand. Um, but I would say it, it needs to be looked into because you know money is fungible, and you know just in the same sense that back in the '80s we looked at you know the relationship between um, you know the funding of the Contras and uh, uh, foreign aid to Iran. We need to be investigating this one. It's a rather uh, simple scheme. There's a lot of strange aspects of the rise of FTX. I mean, the company was founded only a week after Biden announced in 2019, and in a mere three years, uh, bestrode you know the world like a colossus, uh, uh, soaring past all the other competitors in the industry that have been doing honest business and still are. Um, and it was entirely based on 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 fraud and and illusion. Based on what I saw in the New York Times this morning, the mainstream media is not even slightly interested. The New York Times ran an article this morning and said, "Oh, child genius, you know, too successful for, for his own good. His company got too big too fast. He lost track of things. God bless him. Hopefully, he's getting a lot of sleep now." I mean, it's just a puff piece. I mean, just embarrassing. And as we know. Uh, the New York Times sets the tone for the whole of mainstream legacy media. And so they that that purpose of that piece was basically to call off the dogs. Um, don't look into this. Don't investigate it too carefully. Known views that we need some attention to this. I mean, just how about just a fraction of the resources that went into trying to investigate uh, Trump for his alleged, you know, Russia connection, which never amounted to anything. How about we apply the same standards uh, to, to this this fiasco and look in to where all of his money went and where it came from and where it is now. What questions do you think still need to be answered? And, and what do you think accountability would look like? Well, I think we need to know why um, he was given a free pass for so long. Um, uh, where, where, did, where did his money come from? Uh, where did it go? You know what happened to it in in the meantime. Uh, I would like to uh, know a little bit more about circumstances surrounding even the found, founding of FTX. You know, and why it is that the U.S. regulators 
didn't didn't catch on to this. I mean, many people in the crypto space have been suspicious of this guy for a very long time. Follow the money trail, figure it out. Let's get some uh, open books here, and um, the politicians that accepted his money, and his brother and that pandemic planning nonprofit, his mother, who's the co-founder of Mind the Gap, the largest Democratic Party PAC. All these people need to be thoroughly investigated. Find the money. Uh, make good for the victims. There seemed to be several hundred million dollars that were stolen during the, the market crash, during the crash of FTX, by somebody inside the company, took a bunch of uh, the crypto and put it into a hard wallet somewhere. And they're, they're extant and they're on the loose. So that person needs to be found. And all that money recovered and depositors paid back. Much to think about here. Thank you so much, Jeffrey Tucker, founder and president of the Brownstone Institute. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Over in Idaho today, police gave an update on the four University of Idaho students found dead on Sunday. No weapon has been found so far, but police say a knife or other edged weapon was possibly used. Autopsies scheduled for later this week could provide more information. Police haven't arrested anyone yet, but they say there is no active threat. Coming up, Congress members probe the Chinese regime's zero COVID policy, how it's playing out amid protests in China, and how U.S. lawmakers are responding. And in tennis news, Australia has loosened its vaccine requirement, but will it be enough for Novak Djokovic to make a return? NTD's Dave Martin has that story. That and more coming up. U.S. lawmakers have to say about China's lockdown policies. At a hearing today, Congress members weighed how these strict policies are affecting lives in China and what they say about Xi Jinping's ambitions at home and abroad. And today's Iris Tao has more. The recent meeting between President Biden and China's Xi Jinping is expected to ease tensions. But a congressional hearing on Tuesday again sheds light on the communist regime's human rights record. The Chinese Communist Party seeks to dominate daily life to control how citizens live. Nowhere has the intensity of this political and social control been more apparent over the last year than in the implementation of the draconian zero-COVID policy. You're kind enough to call. Just the day after Biden and Xi met, the Congressional Executive Commission on China held a hearing focused on Xi Jinping's zero-COVID policy, which requires massive mandatory testing and places millions in China under lockdown. While the CCP touts it as a success and vows to stick with it, protests have broken out in various cities. The CCP's zero COVID policy has caused endless lockdowns and human rights violations. Hospitals refused patients and citizens could not leave their own homes. Yet the CCP continues to claim their policies are successful. That's not why we're seeing this. And China experts point to how the regime uses the policy to facilitate the government uh, suppression. And in January, citizen journalist and Falun Gong practitioner Xu Na was sentenced to eight years in prison for sending photos about restrictions in Beijing to an overseas Chinese language website, one of the longest known sentences to date for sharing COVID-19 related information. 
And experts add that the oppression is combined with misinformation pushed at home and abroad. So when Xi Jinping is announcing a war on COVID, um, of course, local level officials are going to be incentivized to suppress data about COVID cases. And so I think we all acknowledge that the number of COVID deaths is underreported. One hand, we found the CCP is investing billions of dollars to get its propaganda all over the world. And Biden raised human rights issues with Xi during their meeting, but the White House said the two did not touch on the pandemic. That says House GOP vows to investigate the origin of COVID and seek accountability from China with potentially a new majority. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. Novak Djokovic is headed back to Australia. The man whose nine Australian Open titles are second to no one will be granted a visa to play next January's Grand Slam. This despite his high-profile deportation last winter where he was given a three-year ban. The Australian Broadcasting Corp confirmed the news Tuesday. Djokovic arrived in Melbourne last January with a visa obtained online with what he thought was a valid medical exemption against getting the COVID-19 vaccine. Instead, it started a 10-day saga that ended with his visa being cancelled the day before the tournament started. Australia has since changed its rules for entry into the country. And in the NBA, more fights against vaccination rules as three ex-NBA referees filed suit against the league over the weekend after being fired for refusing to be vaxxed. Former refs Kenny Maurer, Mark Ayotte, and Jason Phillips said the league's, quote, jab or job ultimatum led to their suspensions last year, but then the NBA refused to reinstate them this season despite lifting the vaccine requirement. The complaint said, quote, had the NBA not taken upon itself to force faith-based conscientious objectors to adhere to secular norms, none of plaintiffs' complained-of injuries would have manifested. In sum, plaintiffs were persecuted. The trio had a combined 71 years of service in the NBA. And for your sports viewing this evening, five NBA games are scheduled for tonight, including one with a surprising Utah Jazz against the New York Knicks. Meanwhile, in the NHL, nine games are on tap for this evening, highlighted by the hottest team in the league, the New Jersey Devils, playing at Montreal. And finally, for you college basketball fans, tonight, the annual Champions Classic doubleheader takes place in Indianapolis featuring a Kansas versus Duke clash, as well as Kentucky taking on Michigan State. And that's a wrap for sports. Back to you, Steph. Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox.